In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them.
Tonight we light the Advent candles from the light of the Christ candle. From his light we light the candle of hope, for Christ is our hope. For we know that from the time when God's people were enslaved in Babylon to our enslavements today of hatred and fear, God's people have always cried out for new life, trusting that God will keep God's promises. In the beginning was the word, and the word was hope. From his light we light the candle of peace, for Christ is our peace. For we know that from the early days of Cain and Abel to our own days, when families are fragile and nations make war against nations, God's people have always cried out for help and harmony. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was peace. From his light we light the candle of joy, for Christ is our joy. For we know that David danced with joy, and the prophets promised that joy was coming, and the angels proclaimed that in Christ it had arrived. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was joy. And from his light we light the candle of love. For Christ is God's love for the world. For true love, the kind of love that lays down its life for the world, was born in a Bethlehem manger. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was love. What has come into being in him was life, and his life was the light of all people. Please join me in the responsive prayer for Christmas Eve. Let us pray. Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, Swaddled, crying, hungry baby, You came when our need was greatest. You came not in majesty, but in a manger. You came when it was dark, not the friendly darkness, as when sleep rescues the weary, but the frightening darkness, as when people lose their hope and hearts break into pieces and hatred starts to seem reasonable. You came when the world was dark, looking so much like one of us, and yet calling us to be like you. You came as light, a kind of light we had never seen before, The kind of light that made us realize, perhaps for the first time, just how dark the darkness had become. Our eyes had become too adjusted, and our steps were heavy and slow. But on this holy night, even we who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, Swaddled, crying, hungry baby, born to rescue people who walk in the dark.
God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The true light is coming into the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, let us be signs and agents of that reconciliation in the world. Please greet one another with a sign of Christ's peace. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Welcome to all of you to worship on this holy night. We are glad that you have joined us, and we hope that you will join us again soon. A few words about an element that we will share in together toward the end of this service. We will share the light of Christ until it fills this entire space, until it is with each and every one of us. Pastors will come to the ends of your pews with their candles. We will hold our candles once they are lit straight up and down. We invite you to tilt yours toward the flame. When you turn to your neighbor, once your candle is lit, hold it straight up and down. 
I offer all of these specifics because hot wax will spill out otherwise, and experience has taught me that tends to take away from your enjoyment of the moment. We will also celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper at this service because we know that the baby who sleeps tonight in the manger, a feeding trough, becomes the one who will feed us all with the bread of life. We will share in this meal by intinction, which means we will invite you to come up the center aisle, receive a piece of bread from the server, and then dip it in the cup. If it is easier for you, we will bring communion to you. One last reminder that we are again receiving a special offering, the Christmas Joy Offering, which supports pastors and church workers in times of financial need, and which also supports Presbyterian churches Presbyterian colleges and universities, encouraging students, particularly students of color, to enhance their gifts and abilities for serving the church and the world. The purple envelopes in your bulletin are for that purpose, should you wish to contribute. With all of these instructions and reminders, I've managed to make Christmas sound mechanical and complicated. It's not. It is mysterious and wondrous and absolutely beautiful, but it's not complicated. These instructions, though, they help us to ensure that all of us can participate fully in this celebration. Christmas, though, Christmas just comes because God loves you, God loves us, too much to stay away. And you don't have to do anything to make that happen. It is a gift. It is a gift given to us this night, and so we continue in worship. Let us pray. Loving God, you reveal light and hope, truth and grace. Open our hearts to your words so that, we may, so that they may shower us with an understanding of our place in this world. In your name we pray. Amen. Our first reading today comes from Isaiah chapter 9, starting with verse 1. Listen to the word of God. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy, They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have spoken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us. A son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness for this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Listen for the word of God. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Our next reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, just before what Beverly read, chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. And before I begin, I will implore you to stay with me. An account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram, and Aram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. Now David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Salathiel, and Salathiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Ockham, and Ockham the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Methan, Methan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, after all of that, I have to wonder what your favorite Christmas story is. I suspect that some of you are already thinking of a treasured book or a favorite movie, a story that's known by many. And I imagine that others of you remember something that happened at a family gathering or while you were walking down the street, a story known by only a few. I am willing to bet that not one of you would previously have called to mind a long list of ancient names hard to pronounce and harder to remember, hardly a story at all, or so it seems. One of my favorite Christmas stories is unique to my family. A number of years ago, I was driving from Kansas City to Detroit on Christmas Day. I made it just past Chicago before the blizzard stopped me. And surrendering to the inevitable, I took the next exit advertising a hotel. I parked the car and I looked at Riley, my trusty furry sidekick of many years. Now, at this point in the evening, I was still willing to be honest. I walked into the lobby and I asked for a room. I'm not going to make it home tonight, I said. It's just me and my dog. Sorry, they said. No dogs. So at the next hotel, I decided that Jesus would understand if I didn't tell the whole truth. 
I paid for a room, accidentally forgetting to mention my four-legged roommate, and attempted to sneak him in a side entrance. Now, that probably would have been an effective, if not somewhat morally questionable plan, had the weather outside not meant they locked every door but the front. I was left to confess, I have a dog with me. It's a blizzard. It's not safe to drive. Can he please come inside? I'm sorry, they said. No dogs. I just want to check, I said, that on Christmas Day, you are turning away a young woman who is desperately searching for a place to spend the night. You are saying, perhaps, that there is no room at the inn. My theological guilt trip was lost on them. They told me we could sleep in the parking lot. The third try was a charm, so to speak. We were the only Christmas residents of a run-down, extended-stay motel. My dog and I split some leftover cookies for dinner, and I fell asleep to the bright lights of a snowplow working overtime in the parking lot. Now, I thought that this was good news until the next morning when I discovered that the snowplow had packed a good three feet of snow all around my car. I went to the front desk and asked for help, and they handed me a shovel. Eventually, long after I intended, I made it home to Detroit where my family was waiting for me. Now, I thought I had had a rough 24 hours, but it turns out that my nieces and my nephew had it harder. At the tender ages of three, six, and eight years old, they had been prohibited from opening a single present until I arrived. I thanked them all for waiting, and my nephew Logan, whose head was already buried in a gift bag, declared, it was not our idea, we did not want to wait, but Daddy said it's not Christmas until everyone is home. It's not Christmas until everyone is home. I think that's the story that Matthew means to tell us with his long recitation of names. He's getting at something so much more important than the facts. And he has to be because if you were to research his work, you would discover his facts are terribly wrong, sometimes almost humorously so. Take Rahab just for one example. Matthew tells us that Rahab and Salmon were the parents of Boaz, which would be more than a little difficult given that Rahab and Salmon were separated by over 200 years. Now any good genealogist, any mediocre genealogist, will tell you that accuracy and details matter. So if Matthew's only objective is to connect Jesus all the way back to Abraham, he'd be standing on awfully shaky ground. Because if you are dealing exclusively in facts, once one fact falls, you are out of luck and out of business. So if Matthew is wholly unconcerned with these sort of factual issues, what on earth is it he wants us to hear? Maybe that it's not Christmas until everyone is home. 
You see, he begins with Genesis, with Abraham, the patriarch of Israel. Abraham was the father of Isaac. And we can't hear about Abraham without hearing God promise, I will make your offspring as many as there are stars in the sky. And we can't hear about Isaac without hearing God say, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. We hear that Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth, and we can't hear about Ruth without hearing, Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. We hear that Manasseh is the father of Amos, and we can't hear about Amos without hearing him declare, Let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. All of which is to say, it's the whole story. In 16 verses, Matthew reminds us of God's entire history with God's people, of every promise made and every promise kept, of every promise that has held us together and is holding us still. Now, he makes some interesting choices, to be sure. Noah... Noah, builder of the ark, recipient of the rainbow covenant, Noah doesn't make the cut, but Nashon does. Do you remember Nashon? Me neither. But maybe you do remember the five women who are included, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and finally Mary. These women all have their own individual stories, but together... They tell Matthew's larger story in a very unique way. They tell us that not only are God's promises faithful and true, but God's promises are big enough for everyone. You see, Matthew, more than any of the others, writes a gospel for the Gentiles. That's a fancier way of saying he writes for those people who are not Jewish, which is another way of saying he writes for people who may be, in some circles, considered to be outsiders. People who haven't found their place, who aren't sure if or where they belong, or worse, people who have been told they don't belong. Because up until Mary, those four women that are mentioned, they are all Gentiles. They are individuals, according to that time, not of the right lineage or heritage or upbringing. All individuals looked down upon, maybe for their past, maybe for their attitude, maybe for their assertiveness or their skin color, maybe because they do things differently, or maybe because they are just so darn persistent But in any case, if anyone other than Matthew had written this genealogy, they well may not have been included. In naming them, Matthew draws attention to their otherness, their outsiderness, and it is no accident or oversight. Matthew takes the story of God's history and interrupts it with these women who in this particular instance do what the men cannot. Think about it this way. Jesus was Jewish, and for that Jewish line to be preserved, all of the men in the genealogy had to be Jewish. It doesn't work any other way. They had to be Jewish. 
The women are the way that the Gentiles or the outsiders are explicitly welcomed into the story, too. They are the ones who make the story big enough for everyone. By virtue of being who they are, by virtue of being exactly who God created them to be, they make the Christmas story one that embraces you, whoever you are. Whether you have been told that you are not good enough or that your lifestyle is unpleasing, if you have been told that your faith is lacking or your sin is insurmountable or your choices are unacceptable, if you have ever been told that you come from the wrong place or live in the wrong neighborhood, if you have ever felt too broken or been told you are too broken, Matthew's Christmas story is for you. And in fact, if I understand it, I think that Matthew is saying that not only is the Christmas story for you, he's also saying that the Christmas story will be incomplete without you. Because later in his gospel, he tells the story of the centurion and his servant and the Canaanite woman and her daughter, again, all Gentiles, all outsiders, all explicitly praised by Jesus for their faith. He includes the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And it is in his gospel that Jesus says, Come to me, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So of course, in listing out this story, of course Matthew includes Isaac, who knew his father's near betrayal, and Jacob, who grieved the loss of his youngest son, and Tamar, who watched her city get ransacked. He includes Ruth, a widow, and David, who sang, but who also wept. And he includes Jeconiah, who saw his people deported to Babylon. So I can only assume that if Matthew were writing today, he would include my friend Mark. Mark, the father of Timothy, who saw his 16-year-old son die on Thanksgiving morning after falling from a five-story building. Mark is also a pastor. He knows the story of this night, and he has written poignantly of it in these recent days. When Timothy fell, he said, I did not know how to go on. My family did not know how to go on. We have been numb for weeks. But I am remembering, I am starting to remember what Christmas means. A friend told me what they believe, he said. My friend said that the great mystery of Christmas is that somehow God puts on flesh and God comes to earth and God walks on the very same ground that we do. And so his friend told him, I have become convinced that Christmas means when Timothy fell from five stories up, he fell straight into the arms of God. And any time you are about to fall over from the heartbreak of it all, it will be God's arms that catch you, too. Mark said, those, friends from my, those words from my friend, they are healing me. 
He said, we don't celebrate Christmas because of what we get. We celebrate Christmas because of what we've already been given. A God that is with us always. A God that stays with us always. My friend Mark is right, of course. Christmas is God wrapped up in flesh, finding us, a little baby born to us, sent from the center of God's own heart to make a home among us, right where we are, whoever we are and however we are. And truth be told, Christmas means we don't have to find our way home anymore. Because when Christ is born, home comes right to us. Admittedly, that can be hard to see and remember, especially when the days are difficult. But together, together with Jacob and Judah, with Obed and Jesse, with Rehoboam and Abijah, whoever they are, with Eliakim and Azor, with Joseph and Mary, with Mark and Timothy, with Barbara and Dick and Nancy and Tana, with Joshua and Kevin and Bill and Denise, with all of us together, we can be reminded. And that is why we will light candles at the end of the service this evening, so that candle by candle, the light will spread through this room until it is the only thing we can see. Because in that moment, friends, Christmas will come, and we will all be home. But you don't have to take my word for it. It's the word of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
This time we invite you to continue standing as we together affirm our faith using the words printed in your bulletin. And so we say, we believe in Jesus Christ and the beauty of the gospel born this night in Bethlehem. We believe in the one whose spirit glorified a little town, whose spirit still brings light to all of creation. We believe in the one the rulers of the earth ignored and the proud could never understand, whose life was among common people, who was most welcome among the least and lowly. We believe in the one who proclaimed the love of God to be invincible. We believe in the one whose cradle was a mother's arms and whose bed was a feeding trough, whose modest home in Nazareth had little wealth but lots of love, who helped people see themselves as God saw them, who lifted human weakness up to meet the strength of God. We confess our everlasting need of God, the need for forgiveness for our selfishness and greed, the need of new life for weary souls, the need of love for hearts grown cold. We believe in God who gives us the best of himself. We believe in Jesus, the Son of the living God, born this night in Bethlehem for us and for the whole world. Amen. You may be seated. Let us join our hearts in prayer. God of mystery and might, God of peace and light, we praise and worship you. You came in silence while all lay sleeping to enter our world as a child of humble birth, a light shining steadily in the darkness, never to be overcome. We celebrate and give thanks for your presence among us, Emmanuel. Dwelling in our hearts, you know our prayers before we know them ourselves. We trust your light to shine into the darkest corners of our hearts and into the darkest places of our world, bringing hope, peace, joy, and love. We pray for your church in this place and all places. May we bear Christ into the world with renewed passion and commitment, celebrating his birth by reaching out in his spirit to speak your truth, to serve the outcast and the poor, speak peace to those who live in fear, and bear Christ's light and life to all who live in the shadow of death. Your prophet Isaiah promises that you will break the yoke of every burden and the rod of the oppressor. We pray for all people who still live in oppressive situations and societies, and all who know the burdens of discrimination, poverty, hunger, violence, or war. Sustain them, liberate them, fill them with whatever they need, and give them peace. Give our leaders wisdom, integrity, and compassion. Cure their warring madness and establish your promised kingdom that will be upheld with justice and righteousness. Be with all who are suffering or struggling in body, mind, or spirit. Through your spirit, bring healing, comfort, and hope. We pray for all who are spending this Christmas in the hospital 
or in long-term care or rehab or in hospice care. And we pray for all for whom this holiday season is a time of sadness and grief rather than a time of good cheer. Through your grace, bring healing of hearts and bodies, bring comfort and hope, and the solace of companionship and words of consolation. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and those we love. When we feel that the darkness is getting the upper hand in our country and our world, remind us again of Isaiah's promise that the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Remind us that your light has come and is coming into the world and that the darkness shall not overcome it. Illumine our path with the light of Christ's presence that we may clearly see the way before us, speak your truth, and live for the one who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Out of the abundance God showers upon us, let us return to God our tithes and offerings.
You may be seated. Isaiah said, you have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you, like joy during the harvest time. Now maybe we don't have a harvest time here in urban New York City, but we know what it feels like to be around a delicious meal with the people we love and to walk away with a full belly. It brings utter joy. And so here we are. We are rejoicing in Christ's coming, and we gather for this meal as we wait. This table is as long and as wide as God's heart, and so there is a place for everyone here, no matter who you are or what you bring with you. So take a seat around this table. Be in communion with us as we wait just a little bit longer for the birth of Christ and all the goodness that comes with it into this world. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. (coughs) Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Child born in a manger, born to feed the whole world, eternal host of this table and every table. Christmas is almost here, it is but moments away. Surely you know that even better than we do, but surely you understand our excitement. Are you excited too? Are you holding your breath as angels herald glad tidings and stars begin to shine even brighter? And animals nestle into the straw, and the whole world glances into the sky expectantly. We cannot help ourselves, O God. We love the sacred story so much we have made it almost sentimental. We delight in the idea of shepherds wandering by night, even though they must have been confused and carrying some doubt. We delight in the image of wise men traveling with gifts, even though they had to have been somewhat suspicious and afraid. We delight in the thought that Mary and Joseph knew exactly what was happening, even though there must have been anxiety and pain and second-guessing. And we delight in thinking of Jesus lying quietly in a beautiful manger, even though surely (coughs) it was rough and dirty, even though there is no question he fussed and cried. But isn't that part of the Christmas miracle, God, that everything ordinary becomes extraordinary, that everything messy becomes majestic, and that everything hopeless becomes holy? That has been your way in the world, O God, and that is why we join our voices with the saints and the angels, those gone before us and those still to come after us, forever singing to the glory of your name.
Gloria indeed, O God, for you made the world and everything in it. You made it beautiful, and you are every reason we have to sing. That is always the truth, but on this night, that is just like every night, but also like no other night, this story takes root in us in a whole new way. On this night, you come to us with love as gentle and comforting as feathers upon angels' wings, with love as fierce and demanding as the world that will receive you. On this night, we are reminded that your love never promises to fix everything, but that your love promises to stick with us through everything. And so it is on this night that everything changes, because your love comes so close we can reach out and touch it. It is for that reason and so many more that we proclaim the mystery of faith. Never forget who your holy child is, O oh God, and what your holy child can do. To help with that, we have the gifts of this table, bits of bread and sips of juice and wine, that reminds us not just this night, but every day, that that is what love does. Love comes close, and love reaches out. So this Christmas, God, help us to feel your embrace and compel us to embrace others. Fill our hearts with joy unending and fill us with joy that overflows onto others. Sing a song that lifts our spirits and place a song in us that will lift others. For if this were to happen, well, it would be another Christmas miracle. And on this night, perhaps, even more than on any other night, we are able to believe that miracles happen. So hear us now, O oh God, as we pray. Hear us as we pray the way countless others all united on this wondrous night are praying, because we learned it from your son, your baby son, the one born in a manger, the one born to save the world, the one for whom angels sing and stars shine and shepherds wander and wise men travel. 
the one in whom we hold our hope, the one to whom we give our hearts. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it, as my remembrance. The Apostle Paul reminds us that every time, friends, each and every time we share this bread and this cup, we proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ until he comes again. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep the feast.
Let us pray. God, who shines a light within us all, a simple meal has brought us together, and a simple child shines light where there is darkness. Nourish our bodies, illumine our paths, and increase our joy. In your name we pray. Amen. In those days, the prophet said, Darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. In these days, these words are true. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, and angels sang, and shepherds told the story And Mary laid him in a manger. In these days, his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us. And in these days, this very night, his light shines among us, bringing light to the darkness. For the angels still sing, I bring to you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For to you is born a Savior, who is Christ the Lord.
Let us pray. O God, would you look at these lights, for it is the light that you have brought into the world. And we are in awe on a night that was probably anything but silent. We are silent now, overcome by the gift of your son Jesus that you have given to us. Thank you seems too small to encompass our gratitude, but surely you have a way of understanding how small, ordinary things can contain enormous meaning. So on this night, O God, when we are filled with your light, there is silence, but it is only a matter of time before that silence turns to joy. For the news of your Son born to us this night, that news is so good it simply must be sung. So let us stand and lift our voices once again, joining in the praise that is surely sung throughout all of creation this night. Let us sing of joy, for joy has come to us. Safety. 
After you have done that, though, may joy and nothing less follow you all the days of your life. May you be blessed and may you be a blessing and may you rest well tonight, secure in the knowledge that the Lord of light, who has brought you this far already, will lead you and countless others all the way home. <laughs>